Welcome to Reproductive Left, produced by WERU in collaboration with Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center, a feminist, client-centered, sexual and reproductive health care provider in Bangor, Maine. I'm your host, Abby Strout. On each show, we tackle a topic that impacts our sexual and reproductive health by inviting members of our community who work specifically on the subject. Reproductive Left covers a variety of issues, including, but certainly not limited to, reproductive rights, feminism, access to services, sexuality, gender, and relationships. To wrap up our show, we answer your sexual and reproductive health questions in our Ask Mabel segment. Be sure to stick around for it. Good afternoon, and thanks for listening. In March, Mabel Wadsworth Center collaborated with the Spruce Run Women Care Alliance and Rape Response Services to raise awareness about one major way that our work intersects. The topic was reproductive coercion. We presented a Reader's Theater project created by the groups called My Body, My Voice, which is a collection of stories from women in Maine and some from across the country. Here's a clip from My Body, My Voice. When the condom broke, I honestly believed that it was a mistake. At least at first. We were having consensual sex. When it happened the third time, I confronted him and he confessed. He had deliberately removed the condom because it felt, he felt it interfered with his sexual pleasure. I was terrified that I would end up pregnant or with an STD. Soon after that, he started pressuring me and forcing me to have sex and he refused to wear a condom. Once after doing this, he said, if you really cared, you could just get the morning after pill. When I ended the relationship, I really began thinking and began realizing that what had happened to me was rape. It took me a while before I could talk about it. I was too ashamed to come out and say, I have been raped. No, no matter how much I wanted to talk. When I finally did, I told a few of my very close friends And a few of them looked at me like, oh, I thought you'd actually been raped. Basically, they acted like they were happy it wasn't a stranger that was jumping out of the bushes or something. My name is Janet. I fell head over heels in love with him when I was 19. At first it was great, but in time I learned just how much he lied to me and how unfaithful he was sexually. Every time I would confront him about his lies and unfaithfulness, he would force himself on me sexually. He always refused to wear a condom and would act offended when I suggested he use one. Hormonal contraceptives made me very sick, and I cannot use them for health reasons. The first time I got pregnant against my will, I had the baby. I was diagnosed several times for STDs. He was my only partner. She explained to me that she would tell her partner that she miscarried. She needed to lie to him because he said if she had an abortion, he would tell everyone. He would tell her friends and her family. She didn't want them to know. I tell her that a DNC, the procedure often done after a miscarriage, is the same procedure as an abortion. I'd let her know she isn't the first woman to tell me that she has to lie to her partner. 
I want her to know she isn't alone. Here with me to discuss reproductive coercion is Katherine Kerr from the Spruce Run Women Care Alliance. We'll discuss what it is, what it looks like in a relationship, and ideas on what to do about it. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Reproductive Love. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Thank you for having me. So I would like to just start by giving you some time to talk about Spruce Run Women Care Alliance, Mm -hmm. um, what the work you do there is and how you got involved, and then we'll go into the conversation about reproductive coercion. The Spruce Run Woman Care Alliance is the domestic abuse resource center that serves Penobscot and Piscataquis counties in Maine. Um, we we work with anyone who is impacted by domestic abuse in the area, so um, not only survivors of abuse, but friends and family and service providers in the area as well. Um, and we recently merged a year and a half ago. Almost. Oh, wow, that long already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, uh, but we were Spruce Run and Woman Care before and provided the same services that we do now and in the last year came together to serve our full county region, two county region. And um, what is your role at Spruce Run and I Woman am, Care Alliance? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am the advocacy services coordinator. So I uh, work a lot with our direct services and people providing direct services and um, coordinate trainings and education around, um, around advocacy work. Great. Um, so recently we've been collaborating on a project called... Um, and by we, I mean Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center and the Spruce Run Women Care Alliance um, on a project called My Body, My Voice. And this um, talks a lot about reproductive coercion. Can you just give kind of a definition of what that means? Reproductive coercion would be forcing somebody to uh, become pregnant or follow through or end a pregnancy against their will uh, using methods like manipulation, threats, intimidation, or violence. Um, So that's sort of the broad definition of what that is. It can look very, very different depending on the relationship. Can you give um, a few examples of what that might look like in a relationship? Yep. Uh, So... A lot of times you might hear um, when you're talking about abuse that somebody is feeling threatened or intimidated uh, when um, when discussing a pregnancy or following through with a pregnancy. So might be forced to terminate that, uh, might be intimidated or manipulated if she's wanting to terminate a pregnancy, saying, you know, you, how could you kill your child? Things that really can make somebody sway somebody and make them feel very pressured into the decision so it's not really a choice of their own. Um, A lot of times you also hear about what's called birth control sabotage, so um, manipulating somebody's birth control, whether that's flushing pills down the toilet or um, uh, ripping patches off, things like that. Uh, So that can look very different as well, but um, it's something that we hear pretty consistently. I'm going to play about a two-minute clip from My Body, My Voice. This is a volunteer reading another woman's story. I don't look like, act like, or appear on the surface to be someone who would be vulnerable to abuse, right? At least not in popular mythology about what abusers look like. 
let's just say that I'm not and never have fit in a box, a, a gender box. But my ex-husband is a classic abuser, a man with incredible rage directed at women. I became pregnant less than four months into dating him. He refused to give me the, mo the money for birth control and always refused to use condoms. After we became exclusive, exclusive where we lived, Planned Parenthood and low-cost low birth control were hard to come by. I had minimal options. When we decided to continue the pregnancy and marry, the overt abuse started within days of our wedding. It continued throughout our marriage. He was verbally, emotionally, financially, sexually, and physically abusive to me. He would always refuse attempts at birth control. When I got pregnant a second time, again against my will, he was ecstatic. I was devastated. I elected to terminate the pregnancy at 12 weeks. He refused to accompany me to only two, only the, to only one of the two abortion providers in our state. And after the abortion, he said we would never speak of it again. I am beginning a promising career in an academic field and in every other area of my life have done pretty well, especially in light of the ongoing battle. Still, I wake up most mornings in a state of complete disbelief that this has happened here and now. After we divorced, he sued me and won joint custody of our children, despite the fact that state laws are supposed to protect victims of domestic violence and their children. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Reproductive Left. Here with me today is Katherine Kerr from Spruce Run Woman Care Alliance, and we are discussing reproductive coercion. Now, this kind of goes against the stereotype. Generally, we hear that it's women trying to get pregnant to trap the men, be like to force men to be in a relationship or to commit to them. Um, is it really that common that it happens to women? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times um, you hear about somebody planning to leave their partner, um, getting to that place in their relationship where it's just too dangerous to stay with them, and then becoming pregnant and not really feeling like they have a choice uh, around that or not feeling like they have an option anymore to leave. Um, and even women who decide to um, work, get support and um, work with people on leaving that relationship, they're now connected to that person for the rest of their life, or at least for the next 18 years. And, um, and really, it's a it's a way to control somebody um, pretty, pretty permanently. <laughs> so we do hear about that a lot. Um, and the impacts that um, that having children or forcing somebody to have a child is um, has on a on a woman in a really in an abusive relationship. I know that you have some statistics with you today, and I've read them before, and they're they're a bit startling. Could I have you just um, read some of those off for us? Yeah, uh, specifically when you asked about how common is it, uh, about twenty five percent of women who report being physically or sexually abused by their partners also report being pressured uh, or forced to become pregnant at some point. So if you're thinking about that, you know that control aspect, it's really very common. 
Um, women who are being physically abused by their partners also are three times more likely to have a sexually transmitted infection than non-abused women. Um, and women having unintended pregnancies are four times more likely to be living in an abusive relationship than, um, uh, than women having a planned pregnancy. So there's really that correlation between um, domestic abuse and unplanned pregnancy and really coercive behavior. I wanted to talk a little bit about how this issue of reproductive coercion kind of fits into our broader conversation about reproductive rights and women's autonomy. Um, right now across the country, there's a lot of restrictions on access to reproductive health care services. Um, how do you see that relating to this conversation about reproductive coercion? One of the things that I think is I automatically think about it is that in a abusive relationship, it's taking full control over somebody. So when we're talking about reproductive control and have and a woman having um, autonomy and being able to really choose what she wants to do with her body, if you're in an intimate partner relationship where there is violence or there is abuse, that goes out the window. And so now you're being controlled in that other um not only by laws that are uh, placed upon you, but also by your partner. And so to me, it's very interconnected. Um, the other thing that also I think is very interconnected with that is um, the issue of access. If you don't have access to it, if you don't have education to um, uh, reproductive health care, then you're really limited and what your choices are. And a lot of times those choices are very much related to your safety. And so um, it's really limiting somebody's safety in the long run. And now the big question is, what can we do as a community about it? And then I guess also, what are you doing as an organization? So as a community, I think one of the things to know is that it exists, that um uh, especially if you hear those stereotypes that she trapped him to get pregnant or she got pregnant to trap him or continue with a relationship that was ending, thinking about just changing that mindset and really thinking about the fact that um, if somebody is living with abuse, that's a way to control them for a really long period of time. Um, I think that ways that we're working on it right here is things like my body, my voice, that using, um, you know, our reader's theater, things to raise awareness about this issue, to get people really thinking about it. Um, and then also working with local um, women's health organizations like you to be able to, um, to, be able to really uh, bring awareness to this and find out how we can work together. Because that's one of the things that's hard on our end is we're not healthcare providers. Um, but we know who the uh, healthcare providers are in our area that um, really can understand this issue and be helpful. And so if we can work together, we could really approach this from um, all different aspects and really use everybody, draw on everybody's expertise. So that's all of the questions that I had for you today. Um, we do need to move into our Ask Mabel segment um, with nurse practitioner Terry Marley DeRoger. Did you have any last weaving thoughts before we move into 
Uh, it's a, this is an interesting topic. I think people really forget about, um, how abuse can really impact all aspects of somebody's life, including their ability, um, or inability to have kids at a time that they want. And so I think that it's just great that we're starting, starting this conversation and really opening it up for people to talk about. And one last thing, if um, our listeners want more information about Spruce Run Women Care Alliance, how would they find you? They can go on the web. It's sprucerun.net. Or um, you can always give us a call at our resource center um, and see how you can get connected. And that number? Is 945-5102. Great. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. It's been great to have you on our show today. Thank you very much, Abby. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Reproductive Left, produced by WERU in collaboration with Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center. I'm the host, Abby Strout. Here with me on the show today was Catherine Kerr from the Spruce Run Women Care Alliance, and we discussed reproductive coercion. Please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with our Ask Mabel segment. Welcome to Ask Mabel with nurse practitioner Terry Marley DeRozier. Today we have three questions we're going to ask Terry, uh, continuing with the conversation on reproductive coercion. We're going to start with this question. What birth control methods are less likely to be at risk of sabotage? Hi, Abby. Um, Thanks for having me. Um, To respond to that, I'd like to just start by saying that, you know, we do know um, that about 40% of pregnant women um, who have been exposed to abuse report that the pregnancy was unintended compared to just 8% of non-abused women. And with adolescent girls in physically abusive relationships, they have a 3.5 to 6 times uh, more likelihood to become pregnant than non-abused girls. So we as clinicians need to try to... um, get this information from the client during her visit. Is she safe? Is she at risk of um, sabotage of her contraceptive method? There are some options that we can educate her about. Um, Primarily, um, the best choice would be the Paragard IUD or copper-containing IUD. The string of the IUD can be felt by an intimate partner, but the clinician can trim the string and actually tuck it up into the uh, cervical canal so that it is undetectable by the intimate partner during uh, sexual activity. Um, That IUD is preferred over the progesterone-containing IUD because it is less likely to affect the menstrual cycle, causing a lack of periods. Unfortunately, um, partners who are into sabotaging your contraception often monitor the menstrual cycle pattern to determine if the woman is contracepting. And so with the Paragard, you will still have a fairly predictable um, monthly bleed, and it does offer you up to 10 years of contraceptive benefit. Um, Birth control pills, the NuvaRing, the OrthoEvra patch, uh, IUDs where string is palpable, even the... um, Nexplanon implant that goes under the skin may be at risk of uh, removal by the intimate partner if detected. Um, 
Depo-Provera, um, which is an injectable birth control, may be an additional um, option um, because other than a little needle stick mark, um, which you might be able to given an area that was a little less noticeable would be the only way that that might be noticed. So primarily the Paragard IUD and Depo-Provera might be that woman's best choice. Thank you. Our next question um, is when a person is coming in for an abortion procedure, how do you verify that it is her own choice and that she's not being forced into it? Our policy here at Mabel Wadsworth Center is to always bring the client back into the clinical area uh, unaccompanied, um, no matter who that person is that she has brought with her for her abortion care um, visit. We do like to interview her alone for at least a few minutes, and that is one of the things that we talk about right away. Does she feel safe in the relationship? Is the decision to terminate the pregnancy once um, she's come to of her own choice? Um, is she feeling any pressure by the partner to continue the pregnancy or terminate the pregnancy based on um, a change in the relationship? Um, does she feel threatened uh, with regards to her choice? Um, and then if we have determined that this is indeed her own decision, we welcome back her support person. Um, no problem at all. And our last question is about condom use. Do you have any tips for our listeners on how to talk to a partner about the importance of or the desire to use condoms? At the Mabel Wadsworth Center, we have a little brochure that's been developed um, called How to Stay in Control of the Condom Conversation. And there are actually um, five condom conversation tips that I would like to share. Number one is have the conversation outside of the bedroom. Uh, it's normal to be nervous, but the condom conversation can be made easier than you think. Have the conversation ahead of time so that when things get hot and heavy, you know that you are on the same page with your partner. Get comfortable with condoms. Make sure you know how to use them. Take one out of the package and, and play with it a little bit just to make yourself uh, feel comfortable um, with the whole process. And have the condoms handy. Keep condoms in a place where they are easy to access. Bring one with you if you're going out. Be prepared. Show that you respect both yourself and your partner by planning ahead. Number four would be prepare um, with some facts. Many people have sexually transmitted infections and don't know it. Condoms come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and flavors. Find what works for your relationship. Make the condoms more pleasurable by adding a lubricant um, before putting it on. And number five would be to practice some open lines and responses. Like, what condom brand do you prefer? Do you have a favorite color? Those, those things may help you to get the conversation started so that you can get your partner to consent to using the condom, which is what we hope you can do. Great. Thank you so much, Terry. That's it for Ask Mabel. If you have any questions, please email educate at mabelwadsworth.org. Um, and we promise to keep your questions confidential. Today's show brought up some pretty difficult subjects. While we focused on reproductive coercion that mainly affects women in heterosexual relationships, abuse happens in all communities and can impact men, women, and trans people of any sexual orientation and any background. If you're concerned about your own situation 
or what's going on in the life of someone you love, please don't hesitate to reach out. And here are some numbers. The Downey Sexual Assault Services, 1-800-871-7741. The Next Step Domestic Violence Project, 1-800-315-5579. Rape Response Services, 1-800-310-0000. And the Spruce Run Woman Care Alliance, 1-800-863-9909. For more information about Mabel Wadsworth Center, visit www.mabelwadsworth.org or Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Reproductive Left, produced by WERU in collaboration with Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center. I'm Abby Strout. Tune in next time, the first Tuesday of the month at 4 p.m. right here at WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming everywhere at www.weru.org.